welcome to Real 45 with Stefan and Greg Hancock. We vibe out and have real talk, so tune in and check this out, yeah. Today is a new day, let's season it now and get hype. We talking about our careers, our family, and just life. Yeah, Share my story with you, inspiration like every day. Real 45, we gon' keep it live, I keep episodes on replay, Hey, Real 45, yeah, Real 45, show them how we do it, man. Yeah. Hey everybody, this is uh, the latest episode, number 21 of the Real 45 Podcast. We want to welcome everybody to the show. Thanks for listening, of course. For us, we're trying to grow this thing daily and make it something worthwhile. So uh, I want to say, first of all, a big shout out to our, our friends and our partnership with uh, the Titans of Dirt. We really appreciate having these guys uh, on, our, uh, on our side here, helping us to push the podcast. And they've been massive with their video and uh, all their social media links that they've been putting out there. So uh, thanks to you guys. Be sure to follow those guys on Facebook, Titans of Dirt. And uh, let's move on. I want to say good morning or good afternoon or good evening to uh, my good buddy, my partner in this game, Stefan Janelle. Hey, Stefan. Hey, good evening. It's <laughs> quite dark out there. That's kind of hard for us to say. It's <laughs> We're sorry that you live on the dark side. <laughs> It's, Always, yeah. Yeah, we're we're just bright and you know classic Americans over here. Everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, life's good. How are you? <laughs> it's good. It's really good. What have you been doing the last week? Um, working, been uh, renovating the girls' room. It's done. I'm ready today. Literally? Yeah. <laughs> so you're the jack of all trades. You can do it all. I can. <laughs> At least I can so, try. <laughs> does your wife like it when you walk around the house with a tool belt and yeah, take your shirt really off and stuff? Professional, you know. <laughs> well, I know how professional you are. <laughs> I mean, it's you know you don't do anything sort of uh, you know half half no. hours. Say. <laughs> that I won't. But I have my mom and dad, so they help me out with uh, electrics and stuff like that. Oh, oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really cool because you don't want to burn the place down or something. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. So the girls are pretty stoked too because their rooms are all done and dusted and ready yeah. for the springtime. Yeah, so that's really good. And you? But like suddenly you guys have gotten out of the blue hit with heavy minus temperatures, a lot of snow. It's oh yeah, the pictures you know, I've been seeing from you and from a lot of the others over there. It's been you got like this late blast of winter. What's that all about? I have no idea, but I got I got quite a blast because I haven't been to Stockholm, so I, I just read on read on the news the the traffic has been really bad. I think the trucks right. are are hitting each other and they are standing over the because now the, it's really slippery on the on the on the roads. And it's snowing every day, almost. So, and I think it's minus twelve degrees right now. Man, minus twelve Celsius. What is that in Fahrenheit? Is that like? I have no idea. That must be like uh, in the low teens or something. That's that's cold, right? Oof. Anyway, let's don't look out. I know that the, you know this is just a podcast. So people are going to hear us. They can't see outside the window, but. Uh, my guest sitting next to me, he's got shorts on. 
He has. I got short son. Oh. <laughs> you know? I had I had to do like you said. I stand in the middle of the pants. You do. <laughs> Don't touch the sides. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> it's going to be cold, man. So I just stand right in the middle. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that? Mm. You stand in the middle of your pants. So when it's really cold outside, because when you do that, that way your, your skin doesn't touch your pants. So you don't oh, get cold. So you stand right in the middle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, let's, uh, I think that brings us to our special guest today, or guests, I should say. Let's welcome the, the youth of the current period and the future of American Speedway right here, Mr. Sebastian Palamizi. Thank you. It's an honor to be on the podcast. It's, uh, yeah, should, we, should we throw a clap? Yeah. All oh, right. Oh. He's the first guy getting applause. Thank you. Oh, yes. Wow. And uh, sitting on the other side is his great representative and is not just a family member, but a big supporter of this kid. And, and uh, he's there to broadcast everything great about Sebastian, but he's pretty good about that himself. It's uh, Tanny, his grandfather, Tanny. Hello, Hello everybody. Tanny. Yeah, good to have Tanny on the show. This guy's, he's an inspiration for, for a lot of us. He's a cool guy. He's got Italian roots, so we, we've even... Uh, been treated to some good food at his place already, so we're, we're pretty stiffed. And then we've got a silent listener here on the on the podcast. The first time he's been on our podcast, and he's actually just kind of listening. We're not sure if he's going to talk today or not. But my uh, my oldest son and uh, quite the admirer of our podcast and a, a big critic, Mr. Wilbur Hancock. Hey, um, Wilbur. I will try to talk. I'm very talkative. Um, that's all I can say. <laughs> Thanks for having me, and uh, it's great. It's cool. I mean, we got we don't know what the future holds for Wilbur, but uh, I think from all his video vlogging and his social media, you can see he's kind of a speedway guy. He likes to get sideways, sort of. So there's, yeah. you know, he's sitting he's sitting next to his his mentor Sebastian here too. So anyway, let's uh, let's keep this ball rolling here. And uh, Sebastian Palmisi, this this kid is. Uh, we have a lot to say about him. He is the future. Him, there's a few others here in the U.S. that are kind of a little bit older than him, and there's some that are younger than him. There's Colton Hicks, who's been his biggest competitor and probably the the uh, the biggest speed bump in his in his racing campaign. But he's done pretty good to uh, to get over that speed bump pretty quick these last couple of years. And uh, Sebastian is kind of to everybody in the world of speedway here in the U.S.A. He's he's like uh, the kid that everybody in the sport in the pits they they idolize him. Uh, they, he's he's like the biggest love. He's he's super humble. He's helpful. He's great. He's he's got all the ingredients, man. It's it's just amazing. And wow, no, yeah, you see it. Yeah, yeah. How I'm trying to put him on a pedestal. Thank you, Greg. I would put, I'm putting him really high up on the pedestal, but he's earned it, man. The kids, he's unreal. I, I look at him and I'm just, I'm literally fascinated with what he's done. He, he's, first of all, I, I've been short my whole life. Okay, I'm 47 years old and this kid is 14. And he's already got me by, I don't know, five, five six inches in height. And he's, he's, a, he's a, a big kid, but he's super... What do you want to say? He's super over mature for his age. I think, you know, in my opinion, he's, he's got it all figured out. He's literally, he's got all the ingredients and I'm, I'm shocked. And my kid looks up to him massively. I should say my kids look up to him 
like they did. You know, I mean, Luke's been on the show and a lot of the other guys, but Sebastian is, is that closer in age to them. But when I talk to him, I don't feel, I can't talk to him like I'm talking to a 14 year old. I don't look at him like a 14 year old and his conversations are, are amazing. You know, it's just, uh, this kid can go places and he's not just a, a great speedway rider as I've heard from both of his dad and his grandfather here too. This guy can swing a golf club. So, cool. uh, <laughs> I have yeah, a, so. maybe a strange question and a bit sideways of it, but as you said, if you've been short all your life and Sebastian is a bit taller than you, <laughs> is that a good thing when you ride a speedway bike or not to be tall? Or is it better to be short? Better to be shorter, definitely. That's one of Greg's advantages, obviously, in the GPs and anything, but if you're taller, you got to like, you first of all, you have more weight unless you're super scrawny, and then I don't know. It's, it, yeah, better be shorter. But you don't have different sizes on the bikes, don't you? It's the same size of all of the frames. Yes. Besides, like the handlebars, maybe that's like the only thing you can really change. And the seat. So you can adjust it to your your height and your uh, your type of riding style with your handlebar preferences whether you have a, like a standard speedway bar which is a little bit lower profile and rolls back a little bit so you can you can stay in the bike where guys like sebastian he's a he's a little bit uh taller kid he's got quite a bit of width between his shoulders too so he can run with a different kind of handlebar however he chooses to run with the the similar bar that we have which i'm impressed with however i, I you know looking at him now i'm thinking man maybe he's you know he's pretty tall and it's just he's doing everything he can to stay small on the bike. And I mean, he's, he's, he's a kid, he's growing. He's, he probably eats like a horse, you know, and, and, uh, he's just solid, you know, but the guy can ride a motorcycle and he, maybe he needs a little bit more power in the engines just to, to keep him rolling. But that's, it's not a, that's not a problem these days. Cool. Super cool. So, yeah. and you just, yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, 14 yeah 14. and the guys yeah i mean uh he's already got two junior speedway national championships the last two years he's the current junior speedway champion uh he's got i mean looking i'm looking at his roster of of uh, championships over the years now and i mean going back to his 150 championships in 2013 and 14 state championships junior silver cup champion you know all of our championship national races that you have over here and uh all the way up from the 150s to the 250s and uh, who knows where he's going to go on this but have you ridden a 500 yet never never i, ever. I know yet. we've had this conversation we have i'll keep wondering how you never told me mm -mm. Never. almost there never ridden one oh and i and, and why <laughs> yeah i mean the thing is it's probably a good thing in one way because once he gets on the 500 he won't want to ride his 250 exactly. anymore <laughs> It's not like the 250 <laughs> it, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty amazing to watch but it's gonna be I, I like this guy and, and uh, he's got big things going but let's turn this over to him I mean you're 14 years old mm -hmm. where where did you grow up where are you uh, South Orange County area I mean I've moved around from Long Beach to Mission Viejo basically that's basically it I, and so I lived in Yukaipo when I was little with my mom, then I moved in with my dad, so now I've been staying in Mission Viejo. Right on. So, 
have you been into any other kind of sports? Have you been into any baseballs or football? No, I've never, I never really played ball sports as a kid. I was always in love with motorcycles between motocross and speedway and anything with a motor. And you were, were you more motocross in the beginning or have you been both kind of going? Mm, no, I never, like I've ridden a motocross track, so I never raced, but like, you know, my first bike was a PW50. So like I started off and I had a 50 and then like, you know, 70 and start off like that and you rode in the desert. And then that's actually how it starts off by me riding Speedway was I rode Kiwis out of Costa Mesa. That's where. So he's been turning left at from an early age. Wow. So this kid's got, uh, yeah, he's got it. He's got it made. He's got all the roots. He's, he's, he's built to be a speeder rider. So if we look back on that, then if you've grown up riding Speedway, did your dad ride Speedway too? No, never did. Never been involved. He watched, but never rode. Never, was he a motorcycle rider himself? Yeah, he used to race motocross. He started off in BMX and then raced motocross and then watched Speedway and I took it over. What about Tanny sitting here? Have you been into motor, motorcycles yourself? Or? No, when you put a motor between my legs on two wheels, I have a certain apprehension. Four wheels, I'm okay. Two wheels, no. <laughs> Bicycles, okay. Uh, Jason, Sebastian's father, was a BMX champion. So it kind of went from there. And he, then he started riding motorcycles. And then they went to Costa Mesa. And Sebastian can probably tell that story mm -hmm. about how that happened. Okay. But, but Jason, before you go on to that, so yeah. he, he was a BMX champion. He was a BMX champion until his knees were hurt and then he couldn't go on. But... Uh, he used to, we used to, we, he used to race 11 times a week when he was like nine and 10 years old. And he was number one rider uh, in California, number two rider in the nation. So he's a champion and his son is a champion too. That's right. So I know you've told me these stories about, yeah. about Jason. Jason doesn't like to talk about it. No, no, we actually have Jason in the house here too. And uh, we, you know, we can see that he's, he's a little bit more shy, but he tells, he, he's got a pretty, that's Jason's dad. I mean, yeah. that's Sebastian's dad, Jason, there. So he's got a, a pretty interesting story, you know, and, but he's a very humble guy and, and uh, doesn't want to be the forefront of, of the kid's career, which is pretty cool in, in that way. But he's got his back all the way. So, I mean, 11 times a week racing BMX. When he was nine years, nine years old. Days? Hmm? How did you do that in seven days a week? Well, we used to race Mondays down in... Uh, Torrance, I think. Tuesdays, I don't remember where we raced on Tuesdays. And then Wednesdays, uh, Orange. We used to also own our own track in Azusa. It's called USBMX. We used to race three times on Saturday. We'd go to Yukaipa, Norco, and Corona. And on Sunday, we'd race Monrovia, uh, Orange, and probably our own track. But it was a tough grind. And he was up to the task. He scored a lot of points. He was number one. That's we like number one plates in our family. <laughs> Even in the kitchen. Yeah. Even in the kitchen. He never really turned into the pro. Um, our aim in BMX at the time was to have it as an Olympic sport. Eventually, it did become an Olympic sport many years later. It's not right now. But uh, that was the goal of all the BMX riders back in the uh, you know, 80s like that so yeah so it it's in the family yeah gotcha <laughs> Man, that's 
So did you race any BMX yourself, Sebastian? No. I rode BMX. My dad always took me to the track because he'd mess around riding the bikes, and then I would go out, but never. I'd, I'd love motorcycles. Gotcha. I remember, actually, one story. We were out at uh, Dane Inman's uh -huh. birthday party at the Orange BMX track uh, a few years back, and that was the first time. I remember all the kids that are out on the date. Kelly Inman, who's been on our podcast, is you know one of the greatest dudes in, in the world. He used to rent the BMX track for his kid's birthday party. Wow. And just, so you'd have it for a couple hours in the day and you'd come in there and you just, everybody would just bring their bikes and their kids. It didn't matter if it was, you know, they were on two wheel bikes or, or bikes with training wheels or kick bikes or whatever. Everything was out there. And I remember seeing this, this older kid <laughs> coming on a, on a, like a, a more of a cruiser bike ripping the track and pumping the track and doing the jumps and doing everything. But I'm like, who is that guy? And it was, it was Jason, it was Sebastian's dad out there with all the kids, just tearing it up. And I was so impressed that we got, I got to get me one of those, you know? And we were taking our kids out there to ride and I would just pedal around with them. But I thought, dang, that guy can ride. That's, that makes me want to do it, you know? So it was, it was pretty fun to see it. And even though he's got bad knees, you can see that the, the kid is still at heart yeah. in that man. And, uh, he, he loves to, to get out there and, and tear it up. So he's probably, you know, you get to a point where you always put the brakes on, yeah. but he's probably thinking, I know I could do it. <laughs> I can just get over that. Oh, that's cool. But, but tell us a story about how you, you went from the BMX to the Speedway that you were talking about when you brought him to Costa Mesa Speedway. No, no. Well, Jason and Sebastian went, used to go. Yeah. There. I was young. I was riding my little PW50. We'd always go up to the desert, and he, he, him, and his buddies went to Costa Mesa and uh, just watched that, watched Speedway, and then he saw a little fifties out there, and he was like, "Why not?" So he just threw me out on the track, and I saw the Speedway riders go out and ride and everything, and I just kept riding Peewees. And then finally, for Christmas, he knew that I wanted to ride Speedway because I had told him he got my first Speedway bike, which was a little McDougal 150, and then it all went from there. It all went from there. How old were you then? I was, I first started racing Speedway in March 2010, and I would have been seven years old. Cool. It feels, in one way, there's there's a similar story I, I, in my family growing up. I grew up, my parents were separated too, so mm -hmm. uh, it was really until my parents separated is when we started going to Speedway with my yeah. dad. When we were with him on, on every other weekend, exactly. we'd go with him. And from a pretty young age, mm -hmm. seven years old, I was, I had my first bike, you know, running around the grandstands and checking it out yeah. and, and just, you know, seeing all the riders in the pits and everything, getting autographs. And it was rad. I just remember the smell and, and it getting hosed down with dirt and corners because you're running around playing underneath the grandstands and collecting beer cups and looking for people that drop their wallet or the keys and <laughs> how we made money back in the days. Ah, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, speedway from day one. It's a good place. <laughs> so at the time in fact when Sebastian Jason brought Sebastian to actually race Sebastian wore Jason's old BMX gear okay. that was pretty cool too <laughs> see it gets passed down yeah so there's yeah, there's an element of it yeah he's, he's yeah. a part of it do you consider yourself kind of a a wild kid were you a wild kid were you pretty just mellow um I mean like, what do you mean, like in school or like Speedway? In general. Or are you a crazy kid? Yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah. I mean, I, I mean it's not, yeah, I, I do a lot of things. I'm not scared. Like, I'm not fearless, but I'm also not a, like a scaredy cat, you know? But 
I wouldn't say wild, but like I still, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, not afraid. Yeah. What do you say? Not afraid. Yeah, not afraid. Not afraid. No. If Bill was sitting here, it'd be like he'd be like, "So, uh, would you do a backflip on the ground?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, but um, Bill would say that. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of times he's pushed me to try to do a backflip and like do it on ground, do it on ground, because I finally said, "Fine, I'm, I'll do it." And I went to the trampoline park and asked one of the people that worked there, um, "Teach me backflip," and I learned it in one day. And after that, I was like, "Hey, Bill, look, I can do a backflip." And then he gets like, "Oh, can you do it on ground?" Yeah. And I was like. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Tried to push everybody to do a backflip yep. on the ground. He can't even do one himself. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So you weren't you weren't wild and crazy in that way, but you were. Yeah, there was an element of yeah. of uh, yeah. You could be tempted into something. Mm-hmm. Dare you? Yeah, exactly. Would you do the dare of the backflip or anything? Would you just somebody dare you? Do you go for it? Yeah. <laughs> if, within my capabilities, so if I knew I could, yeah. <laughs> That's when cool. you when you got your first speedway bike, how was it when you when you tested it the first time? Crazy, because it was totally different. I used I was used to riding little fifties, you know. I was used to riding motocross bikes with like big bars, you know, my feet are on the pegs and everything. And then the first time I ever went out, which was at Pirate Speedway, actually back then it was called IMS, but um, it was just a new experience, basically. It was like. After a few practices, I got used to the bike, you know, just going two-wheeling around the turns and everything. And then after a while, I could start sliding to like half the turn and then just keep practicing, practicing. Practice makes perfect. And then eventually I could do the whole track with sliding and then just get faster and faster. Cool. It's a drug, Stefan. As soon as you throw your legs over that, you get that vibration between the legs. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> and it sticks with you for like 47 years oh. <laughs> or maybe 45 years maybe so uh what about i mean girlfriends yes you got i actually do have a girlfriend you have i mean have have girls always been you had a lot of girlfriends or no no okay, okay. not, not like all over there's like, only no. 14 i know that's <laughs> me i see you look at him you don't see him as a 14 year old that's no, no, no. like a 19 year old <laughs> so girls and racing do they does it work out okay for you yeah but never in the pits they're always like, like my girlfriend knows you know she's she's not gonna go to the pits with me she's not gonna bother me because i'm in my race mode and everything so but she's supportive she knows like and i like to teach her all the stuff about it and yeah did she know about speedo before you got together with her or no no, no. she didn't i had explained the whole entire thing short videos and everything that's cool <laughs> yeah did you always know like growing up everybody always says you know, girls and and racing doesn't work or whatever. That always gets in the way, and you're like, it works. Yeah, you can make it work. Why do they make this myth up? You just gotta, you know. Has she been to a wide race yet? Mm-hmm. This week will be the first gumball. one. The gumball. Mm-hmm. Right. So we'll have to send the real forty-five cameras and to follow her around for the day yes. and get all the capture all the moments. <laughs> and we'll put it on the, that'll that'll be the clip before we launch it. Mm-hmm. That'll be cool. <laughs> Yeah, this it'll be paparazzi. It'll be uh, this podcast will be. That's his job. Yeah. I guess released right before the gumball. Or I think the gumball weekend that Friday after school. It's like the adrenaline starts pumping. For me, mm-hmm. it's like okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to win. I want to win. It's like it's the most amazing feeling. Can't wait. <laughs> oh, that's right. That kind of brings us into it. I mean, this kid's already got two national championships in the junior speedway world. It's four. Four national championships. 
to two 250s and two 150s. Okay, with the 150s too, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, oh. so 150, both like that. So he, this guy's already a veteran. <laughs> he's got, a, got a, quite a roster of championships to his name. So uh, his future could be huge, and uh, we really hope so. I think it will be anyway. But yeah. to win the national championship uh, in the 150 class and then in the 250 class, similar feeling? Was there any – I mean, what – no, I would I, actually, to be honest, I would say the 150s was a lot better because like it was like, you know, what I, I actually won the first 150 national championship, like the first like legal national championship. That was probably the best thing ever because one is just winning a national championship, obviously. And then another is I was the very first winner to win it. And like, so that obviously made it a lot cooler and you know, more exciting. So it was different, but still both. I was happy, obviously, and excited and proud of myself. And that I rode my hardest and I had fun. Yeah. And what year was the was that the first? 2013. 2013 was the first year of the official 150 yeah. championship. So when I grew up, we only had a we had a junior speedway national. Mm -hmm. There was no classes. There was nothing. It was pretty much run what you brought. Yeah. You know, you had if you had a 125 or you had a 250. There was, you know, I mean that's a big difference yeah. in in uh, you know in, in CCs and and speed. Yet the tracks are so small here, so if a guy popped out of the start in front of you, it was pretty hard to pass him, you know, because he could just cover the line. But these days they have classes, which is really cool. Yeah. So now you give from the Pee Wee kids on the on the 50 CCs up to the 125s, up to the to the 250s, and then you go up to the 500s. It's it's uh, it's pretty impressive. They're also bringing like Division One, Division Two to the junior class too, like the 150s. Yeah. They don't have it that much with the 250s, but 150s there's Division One, Division Two. Yeah, this is my second year riding Division One. On the on the 150 yeah, class. Yeah, <laughs> See, that's it's pretty impressive when mm -hmm. you think about it. There, that shows the, that there's quite a roster of riders uh, coming up, and that's growing, growing fast, huh? And we've almost seen a little bit of a dip over the last year or so, yeah. right? In the in the youth. Uh, for whatever reason, but there was in Sebastian's era, mm -hmm. a lot of kids were coming up. There was it was just getting bigger and bigger. There were so many kids, and then moving up from the 150 class to the 250 class, you were starting to see the transition. But there were still a lot of kids following, and then it feels like there's been a little bit of a gap there because some of you the guys are moving up the 500s too, mm -hmm. and there's not enough kids to fill the natural progression. So they got to kind of go back and start this. Whole, uh, growth process once again. Yeah. Now there's tons of riders in the 150 class, but all the two, but they're not old enough to go to the 250 class. But all the 250 riders are old enough to go to 500s. Yeah. So now the 250 class is getting lower, and the 150 class is getting higher. Gotcha. So there's there's kind of a lack of riders on the 250s right now, especially like last year, Sebastian and and Colton Hicks uh, went over and raced the, the the youth FIM youth championship to be a part of the world championship to be a part of that. So. They were chosen for those two, and then there there are a couple of other guys. These were definitely our two best guys, I think, at the time, I believe. And there are a lot of other ones following up. So they went over there and kind of set the standard, showed everybody that uh, we are a force to be reckoned with for the future. And and this guy's only fourteen, so he's got two more years to take a shot at it. Oh, that's cool, Greg. How, how old were you when you won your first won your first national? I won it when I was 15. It was my last year of junior speedway before I had to go to the 500s. So I was happy that I at least won one. <laughs> and that, that was the first year that I had an actual 250. Really? 
Westlake at the time that was a, a 350 engine that was cut down to a 250. Oh, sleeve down. Sleeve down. And uh, it was the <coughs> best thing ever. It was so fun, so much easier to ride. Uh, it was everything. I had a, had a great bike, a chassis that was given to me by the great Bruce Penhall. And so I was super stoked. So I had, I had, had it pretty much rolled out. My dad probably financed everything, you know. But anyway, I got it and I won the, the championship that year. And I had one gumball championship too. So I got one gumball and one national championship. Now, gumball. <laughs> Like, tell us about gumball. Let's talk about, let's talk about gumballs. I mean, everybody knows what a gumball is, right? <laughs> yeah. Zero. Racing seven gumball rallies, haven't won one of them. Something wow. always happens. That's not my race. No, you've never won. This year will be your race. I hope so. I'm, next weekend, I'm trying my hardest. So you won't hope for it. You will just win it. So what's that? Don't hope for it. Just do it. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> Have you ever won a gumball, Devin? Yeah, I want to win one, but I think I'm too old. I mean, you got? Do you guys have gumballs in Sweden too? Oh yes, two gummy. Two gummy. I can't wait to win the two gummy. No. <laughs> I mean, I can win a gumball by going out in the street and picking up a quarter and putting it in the gumball machine. And I won a gumball. But you don't have a whole gum, gumball machine. No. That's where you win, isn't it? Yeah, that's what you win. You win a whole gumball machine full with gumballs. So we're talking like this gumball machine is literally, I, I, I feel that the kids put more effort into winning a gumball machine than they did winning the national championship. Mm -hmm. So this guy's, and the national championship is what we all want to win. Yeah. But when you start talking gumballs, <laughs> it's, it's such like, it, it, plus, it's towards like the kids, you know. It's all like Kelly Inman promotes it, which he's awesome with the junior speedway, and he, he yeah, he just he gives everything to the kids. It's, it, that's like basically our race. That's it's the gumball rally. We all want to win one. Yeah, he's and, so good at doing it because he he promotes it so well. And even if you don't win, you still get an awesome goodie bag full with goggles, gloves. There's like mini gumball machines, even though you didn't win one. It's awesome. This gumball rally is, I mean, people are already talking about it a lot. They've been talking about it for quite a few weeks. But it's such a big buildup to this gumball rally for all the kids. It's a, kind of a nationwide thing. Kids come from all over the place if there are kids available and they can make the trip out this time of year. But so much effort goes into it. It becomes a weekend because they actually have a, a race on the 500s the night before and they have a practice session, and people end up camping out with their campers, and it turns out to be a pretty big event. So, and it's so much emphasis, and the kids, you can just see the nerves building, you know, and they're getting so excited for this, this gumball thing, and they put so much effort into it, and the, the day is a pretty long day on the Sunday, and mm -hmm. it's, uh, so, but when that final race comes down on the 250s for the final win, and then it's all over, you know, and everybody goes home, it's almost like, Oh no, it's a whole another year to wait for the gumball. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a downer. Well, I guess we get to race the season now. You know, and then they get on yeah. get moving on. But. It's a preseason race. It's not in the middle of the season. It's perfect for us because we're not here otherwise. And gumball's definitely my favorite. After winning it the first time in 2013, it was, oh, I just want to do it again because I know you won it once. And I just, I want to be the guy that can beat his dad in gumball championships. <laughs> See? Everybody's got to have goals and dreams, and 
don't do it like me. Do it bigger and better. <laughs> That's it's amazing. It is. And the gumball rally, like you said, we, we can talk about this all day, but mm-hmm. when we talk about the kids, the way we've been doing all this, I mean, a lot of the guys that we've been interviewing over in the podcast too are guys that have been moving up. They've all been through the gumball rally. And this day, like Kelly promotes it so well, and it, it's it's kind of it goes way back, but they, they create these, they get sponsorship for the event, and everything goes back to the kids. So they raise money from sponsors, from people that just donate. They find, they get prizes, they get aerosols like lubricants, mm-hmm. you'll get goggles, you'll get helmets, you'll get remote control cars, wow. gift cards, you name it. And they, they end up with these, these great big plastic bags. And we're talking like how many kids are there on a day? Is there 50 kids or more? 50, 50 probably. 50 kids. So there's, we're talking 50 of these goodie bags that are stacked with goodies. <laughs> my kids want to race on that day. My, you know, like Bill, he, does, he doesn't race all year. He wants to race the gumball because he wants a goodie bag. So it's, and those goodie bags are worth, I mean, we're talking a couple hundred dollars of goods. And then there's envelopes with cash in them. What did Colton won last Colton year, right? Won like didn't you win like 60? No, no, no. no. Gumball, there was no money last year won. That's Silver Cup. Silver Cup. Oh, is it Silver Cup? Yeah. Who wins the Silver Cup? <laughs> right. Yeah, so anyway, don't, they donate cash. And I mean, I know the kids still come home with cash at the mm-hmm. Gumball Rally. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so there's, if you win, if you're on the podium, the top three, they end up with cash in an envelope, which that's I always disagree with. The kids shouldn't get cash because I think it's, that's wrong. But mm-hmm. this is Kelly because he says, people put in money for the gumball rally and sometimes I got all this cash and what can I do with it? I can't buy more products for the kids. So I just put it all into, into a kitty, break it up into things and just give the kids so they can go, they can go buy something for themselves. It's, and he doesn't want to take any money for it for sure. So it goes right back to the kids. Literally. What else do I do with it? <laughs> it's, that's cool. It's really cool. It's really cool. So it's all about the gumballs. <laughs> and that's next weekend. Next weekend. Next weekend. Next weekend. And there will be a live stream broadcast. And I'm not sure which channel they use it on. But usually if you look up industry racing on the internet. It's uh, on the website. It's on their it's website. Watch live. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And it starts usually like, is it about midday, 12 o'clock or something? Noon, yeah. So noon, noon. noon Pacific Standard Time. Gotcha. So that's that's like for, for Europe, or if you're in the UK, it'll be like 8 o'clock in, in the evening, 9 o'clock in Sweden, mm-hmm. that this race will start. So if you're sitting home on a Sunday evening, you guys can tune in and watch this race, and it's it's a, it's a good three-hour show, pretty much. And it's, uh, it's always it's, good it's racing. Like, it's great racing. They have a great, they've put on a great racetrack. There's usually quite a nice little following of fans, and the kids this year have done Valentine's uh, for Valentine's Day, they instead of giving out little Valentine's gifts, they they did at Wilbur School. They did little special cards that were that were uh, made with little gumball machine, uh, little gumballs that were stapled to them. And um, it's it's pretty cool. They gave them out to their kids at school, and it was a little free admission. It's free to get into the the gumball rally, but they made little free admission tickets that they gave out to all their friends at school to try to in, get them to come to the to the gumball rally and support the event. So now he's got a few friends that are going to do it. So you want to add to that? Um, I want to say a big thanks to Gina Horn for doing that for us. Uh, it was a great idea. That was, that was yeah. really good. Yeah. I should say that too. That was Gina was fantastic. She's putting those together and she and buys a lot of hours. And yeah, she researched the gumballs to the cards and yeah, it was, 
great. Cool. It's cool. There's a big list of kids in be there. So tune in and watch this thing. It's it's pretty rad. It's pretty rad. So it's all about the gum ball. Yeah. Anyway, I, I would like to touch a little bit on the 250 World Championship that you and Colton did last year. Great event. Really cool event. I, as it turned out, I was injured from my racing, so I had some time to to sit and think and, and dwell on <laughs> what could have been. Uh, at the same time, we, we started putting together this this idea of our Hancock High that Rafael, my mechanic, and I had been talking about for a number of years. So we suddenly we thought, let's put our plan into action now while we have the time. And we decided to start off. I've been supporting the youth program and, and with the FIM for a couple of years. So Rafael and I decided, let's go let's go big in the 250 championship and, and support a couple of guys. Of course, I'm going to help the Americans. That's that's a no no brainer, you know. Mm-hmm. So we looked at the two guys who had entries, which was Sebastian sitting here and, and Colton Hicks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had already had conversations with these guys earlier in the winter. And Tanny and I had talked a number of times with Jason as well and, and looked at various possibilities. What can we do to try to help uh, support these guys in some way so they don't just come over there and just trying to make it work and bring whatever equipment you can find and stuff like that. So we put together three bikes and they made uh, some arrangements to get some engines to put in the bikes. So we supplied chassis, our mechanics, our, our vehicles, all our tools and everything and, and tried to make it as easy as possible for these guys so they could just get on the airplane with their gear bags and whatever necessities they needed to come over there. And get a little bit of practice in the, in that whole 250 camp. And for us, it was a huge learning curve because we knew nothing about the 250s. What we thought we knew anyway was <laughs> went out of the window in the first practice session when uh, we ended up with engines <laughs> and the workout. Oh. Lots of failures and things that went uh, for various reasons. But after a couple of days, we, we finally started to get build a little bit of momentum and, uh, we also hooked up with the Polish rider, Victor Lampart, who became, uh, he was a last minute, uh, what do you say, team player that jumped in to, to be a part of it. Because we thought, we want to we have a Polish guy yeah. to help too. And of course, Rafael, that's, you know, I got my American roots, Rafael had his Polish roots, and we knew Victor was in there too. But we have a pretty good chance to, to just make a stance mm-hmm. in, the, in the championship, show that we're, we can be a team, we've got nations that, haven't won the world championship yet. So good chance with Victor and a good, great chance with Sebastian and Colton. And in the worst case, we just wanted them to be there and be in the mix. But getting, we didn't, we didn't have the, the, the best options available with, with uh, trying to get the engine combinations right and learning about the ignition systems. Yeah. And we can't say that we can't put down the false to anything. It was basically a huge learning curve, which next year, this year, Never did things. That was the first year. Big times. All of us, huh? Mm-hmm. What was that? What was it like for you to come to Europe for the? It wasn't your first trip to Europe, but the first time to come there and actually compete. It was amazing. It was so. It was so professional. Most the like professional race I've ever been in. It was just we were riding on a world level, which was like my first, obviously Colton's first, and it was just unbelievable. Like it just getting there was a great part. Like I. I'm not going to say I didn't care about the racing, but like, obviously I was riding my hardest and I had a goal set and everything, but 
just to get there, just to ride with all those guys, all those like famous, like not famous, but like all those European guys riding over there and just, it's just amazing, amazing trip. A lot of these guys that you raced, I mean, one of the top guys was a Swede, Stefan, uh -huh. uh, who was one of the favorites to win too, right? So, yeah, Philip Helstrom Banks. And then, uh, then you had the Danish riders who ended up being amazing. Like the Scandinavians were so strong. They were so strong and impressive to watch. So did you know, and the Germans too, yeah, of course, that there was German, there were some English kids. The whole competition level was massive. So, for me, it was the biggest eye-opener, and I, I had the biggest adrenaline rush because I was there helping the FIM for the whole program, but I had my heart with these two guys and the team. It was with Victor, too. Like, of course, I want to see red, white, and blue standing on top because I'm like, gosh, we can do this. We can do this, you know? And then Victor came in from Poland. This kid is just like, he was like, these guys, they all jail. They never met each other, and they jump into this team together, and they were like the best of buddies, high fives, but, you know, hanging around, and they barely spoke the same language, and yet they got along great. And we just went, this is awesome. So you can, you can really create a collaboration of dudes. And Victor's riding 500s. He's, he's already yeah. killing it on 500 bikes. So he's riding the 250 like it's a peewee, you know? Mm -hmm. just, it's so simple. <laughs> But we just didn't have we didn't have the equipment that could put them at the, the next level. These guys wrote their hearts out. Yeah. And because of the internet, many of these riders knew each other. They all knew Sebastian and Colton coming in. Our pits were the most crowded pits. Probably. Everybody hung out there. And Wilbur was the PR guy. He was a PR <laughs> and a video and Oh, it, it was like that too. It was there was, was a lot of people coming up. Mm -hmm. I think that was the best part about the 250 is because in the in the Grand Prix and in the world class racing, everybody's you know we're all friends and whatever. But when it comes to race time, you're like, dang, you're in your corner. You know, it's like serious, super serious. It is like that in the 250, but it didn't matter after heat was over. The guys were over in each other's yeah. pits and high fives and hugs, and you're just like, this is what it's all about, right? Oh, it's just when we get when we put our helmets on and we get to that. As soon as we enter the track, it's That's game on. Yeah. But when the race was over, it was it was everything knuckles and it was so cool. But you, I mean, did you know your competition before you got there? Like you said, did you check these dudes out on the net? Did you? I I, I didn't like know them obviously, but yeah. like I knew some of the like the Swedish guys. I knew I knew Philip and I knew the English guys because I'd already met all of them. And then I knew some of the Australians, like Bailey and Keenan. Obviously, Keenan, because yeah. he's pretty high up in Australia. But none of, like, the Scandinavians or Finland or any of those. But just, like, um, yeah. It was pretty fun, though, to watch the, you know, that training camp has a couple of days as they were getting ready for the, the championship. There's a lot of practice and a lot of working with the kids. And to see... Uh, even Selena, the, the German girl, yeah. too. She, she was, was unbelievable. Like, this girl was mixing it with the guys and probably one of the most daredevil riders on the circuit. So she was riding her butt off, chasing people, and she thought, there's nowhere to go, so I have to try this. Mm -hmm. And she would, it felt like she had the handlebars that she could just bend down to go so she could fit in between the rider and the wall to get around them and just didn't even care. It was awesome. It was super awesome. And then the, watching the improvements of of the, the Czech riders, the Finnish, the Finnish guys too. You know, these guys hadn't been riding these things very long and suddenly came there and 
on the first practice day, I remember watching him and, and uh, one of the kids was having such a hard time in one particular position because of his writing style. But we went there and the language barrier was not, wasn't an issue. You just, everybody was talking the same language on the day. And after one or two days of practice, suddenly these guys were best friends. Well, they're best friends, but their, their improvements were huge. Mm -hmm. And suddenly they're challenging and they're winning heats and they're, they're, they're trying to, they're almost qualified for the final or they made it to the final and you're just going, it was so fun. I, I had so much energy. I ran, I think I ran back and forth across that track. I don't know how many times over the week, the, 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 practice, couple days. Of days, the practice days from one side to the other side. And it was so hot too, you know, mm -hmm. and you're, you're sweating, but you were just like the smiles on the faces. It was just, this is, this is what it's all about. You get so inspired. And even our mechanics, they had never, they told me that, working with the kids was three times as hard as working in a Grand Prix because they had engines in, engines out, you know, gear changes, so many things. And Manufacturers there. Yeah. Big thanks to Oscar. <laughs> yep. Uh, Oscar was, was, uh, was quite uh, vocal to the boys too about, okay, I want to see you take that engine out. <laughs> Just turn them loose, right? So, but I mean, Oscar, Raph, Bajo, those guys were covered I mean, even Danny Jason, everyone was covered in dirt. Bob Hicks and the crew that was there, they were all, everybody at the end of the day, that you know, if one of them practiced, as I remember, it was just grease and dust and, you know, just worn out after the practice. Everyone was working as a team. Yeah. And having a blast at the same time. The so. thing was that it was so dusty because it was so hot there that I remember you coming in for one of the practices just by himself. He comes in and his face is covered with dirt. Even if you're just standing on the sidelines, you're just like, oh. So awesome. Huh? So awesome. <laughs> just the the like, smell. The final like, gets yeah. rained out. And yeah. yeah that's... <laughs> but what was the biggest lesson you learned? The professionalism. It was like, when I go over there and just how the guys act, how we all ride and how all, because like over here, like there's competition, but you know, like me and Colton were like, we were basically the number one riders. Like it, we'd always battle each other, but then when you go over and race with everyone that's that, that as, at the same level as you, it's it's hard. Like you gotta you gotta ride your best. You gotta have goals. You gotta just go for it. And definitely learned that you gotta try all your best. Basically, never give up. Right? Yeah, never give up. I think that was the best part you you see all these kids you went you saw the you saw the tears of joy you saw the tears of defeat you know and you felt bad for them i mean sebastian missed out by we're talking margins because i put it down to equipment for sure he ended up crashing but he was riding the the you know what's out of these bikes and the, the rev limiter on the thing was stopping him from going any faster. And, and we couldn't make the changes to the engines that we wanted to do because we weren't allowed to, right? Uh -huh. So uh, these guys that were in front had already done their homework. They had everything mastered. And these dudes are running right on their tails, but they can't pass them because they're just at a disadvantage. But it didn't matter. Sebastian went for it, and he was actually chasing his own teammate, uh, Victor, at the time. And Victor was in front of him with the same issue, trying mm -hmm. to stay in the, in the race. And Sebastian was trying to get around them and ended up just losing it on the front wheel because the back wheel wouldn't spin anymore. He would be racing the feet, the rev limiter kicked in, and he ended up running into the back of Victor because he was trying to, he couldn't get the wheel to spin to bring the bike around. So he was riding on the front wheel. Mm -hmm. And 
collected Victor and ended up crashing and he missed the final by a point. One point. One point. So it's a lesson learned in many ways for everybody. It wasn't just all him. It was, we couldn't fault him at all because he did. He was like, I can do this. And uh, he got let down. But that's what I mean. You got the tears of joy. You got the tears of defeat. And the best part about it was if we hadn't seen those tears, we wouldn't have understood how important this event actually was for all these kids and the parents and the mechanics. And it's such an effort. You can see everybody is, they're just, they're, they're, they're up here, you know, it's just, Wah! and suddenly it's like, oh, it's all over in heat and you're, and it's time to go home. But it's life, you know, you see it in all sorts of sports and you, you have the ups and downs and you see the, the moms and the dads that are, they're so excited for their kid. And then it's like, no, what happened? And then, you know, and then it's the, the next thing and the mechanics are, are so excited. And they're like, dude, what did you do? Why did you do that? And you're just going, oh my gosh, it starts, it's, it's in, it's uh, put into these kids' heads and their lifestyle at an early age. It's so rad. But, oh. uh, yeah. yeah. This year, an experience. It was a good experience. Yeah. So, what about 2018? Where do we go? Poland. We're going to take on Poland and try to win this thing again. This year's definitely going to be a better year, I hope, because now we have more knowledge. We know we're going to have better equipment, hopefully. We're going to get everything set up. Hopefully, we can get more practice in before the race mm -hmm. and see if we can do it. So as it is now, we have Sebastian is a confirmed competitor in the series for this year. I don't know. Is Colton confirmed yet? We haven't. It seems a lot of talk. I don't know if we have a second spot. Right. We've, we've, we've asked for it. I don't know if it's confirmed yet or not, but Colton has also started riding 500s more. So I'm not, I don't know how, Seriously, he wants. Excuse me, wants to, to do one more year in the two fifty. I know he was planning on it. I know he wants to. He has mo. He has motors and everything. But I'm so bummed that they took a spot away from us. I, I know. Thought, oh. the American team only got one place in the championship this year. We I don't know why, uh, but you know, it's it comes down to to uh, federations and their political campaigns and how they run it. But it seems a bummer. These guys put a lot of effort, and a lot of time, money, and and everything into the series last year and we've only got one spot this year so now we have to fight for a second spot oh. we will fight for a second mm -hmm. spot and what do you uh, what's your main ambition think you can win i think yeah i mean i hope i can i'm gonna i'm gonna obviously go for it that's my goal but i'm really just going i'm making i'm taking it one step at a time you know race my best semifinal try to make it to the final, and then once I get to the final, then it's game on. I just gotta ride my hardest, twist the throttle. <laughs> I've seen him twist the throttle. He's not afraid of that. Nah. Um, it's fun to watch him, you know, I mean, the competition here is, is pretty tough, but he feels like the, the most experienced guy on the, on the track now at, in this, at this class or in this class. So watching him sometimes he'll miss the start and I'm not sure if he missed the start on purpose just to test himself and, and play, oh, yeah. play with the guys and <laughs> pass them or, or, or not because some of these kids are for them Sebastian is their worst nightmare because they know they're good but if he's in the heat with them oh, man you know you can see they're just some they make more mistakes oh. than getting beat and I think once they figure that out and they get the head for it, 
then it will be harder for Sebastian. But mm -hmm. uh, on these small tracks, it's it's tough. It's it not is. all about just the equipment. It's about mm -hmm. the riding the bike. And for sure, he's he's got the talent for it. But in my the head, he's got the head. Well, we won't good. talk about the gumball though. No. no. <laughs> Until next week. <laughs> Until next week. That's right. No pressure. We'll have a follow-up podcast about this. I could sit after gumball. After the time. gumball. That's right. Yeah. Maybe we should just talk about the two gummy. No. Two gummy. The Swedish gumball. Two gummy. That's what we're watching. What are you doing in the spare time? Is it all about speedway or? Basically, yeah, I'm gonna have golf. Obviously, I'm at practice every day, and then get home, work on the bikes. I mean, I don't really do too like I ride BMX. You know, I have some fun at the skate parks and everything. But when it comes down to the racing season, I don't like to do too many things because one, I don't have time, and then two, I don't want to get hurt. Obviously, yeah. and I'm just trying to stay healthy. But I also try to exercise, do all that stuff, and you know, stay small or hopefully, and, <laughs> yeah, get in shape. Oh, see, it's all about Speedway then. Yes. <laughs> In a way, but I, uh, I like the fact that he plays golf. I think that's... No one really expects it. Like, no. I go from riding Speedway and, you know, in the dirt and getting dirty and everything to playing golf. Like, you know, obviously you wouldn't see that. I think no. that's where he gets the head from. Oh, yeah. Because golf is... As Tanny and I were talking about this earlier too. I mean, golf. That's a, this, Tanny can. He's a a very low handicap golf uh -huh. player. Where my handicap in golf is the golf club. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, if you if you're a good golfer, you have to have the head. And yeah. even to play off a seven or eight handicap like like Tanny, you still have to have a good head. And and it's not just about killing the ball, right? It's right. You, it's just you and the, that little white ball. Right. There, there isn't any shot in golf that's ever the same. Not one. Because the conditions are always different. And to make a golf ball do what you want it to do after you hit it is an amazing thing. Sebastian is left-handed. He writes left-handed. But he plays golf right-handed. I don't know how he does that, but some people say that's natural. And he's never had a lesson yet. He doesn't have any time to have lessons. But he goes out and... And he's on the uh, junior varsity team. He's a freshman in high school, and he's on the junior varsity team. Wow. He plays pretty good. <laughs> he hit the ball a mile. <laughs> he just has to control it now, and he's a great putter. That's what's good. He's a great putter. Yeah. That's what mine is. He's good. It's not <laughs> just good. Oh. You got it. And it's competitive, you know, mm -hmm. and, and he stays competitive. <laughs> He's a competitive guy. He likes to do things, but he's not crazy about it. You'd never think he was competitive just by looking at him. So that's where, is that with everything you do? Everything you try, you just wanted to be best? Basically, I'm, I'm not, it doesn't have, like, have to, it doesn't have to turn out to be the best, but I'm always going to try my best with, mm -hmm. yeah, everything I do. Can you hear the, can yeah. you hear the eight in this guy? He's <laughs> 14. Yeah, it's, you know, and. You can see the look in his eye too, huh? He's got he's got the competitive eye, and uh, no matter what happens, he's he stop he'll stop and listen and watch and learn and and then to go back to what he's doing. But you can see he never takes his eye off the ball. Oh, that's yeah. He's a great student. Something? Yeah, he's a great student. Uh, he he learns very well. I remember back at IMS Speedway with the Billy Hamill uh, School and then Sean McConnell, 
and they tell him to do something and he immediately go out there and do it exactly how they tell him to do it. So he has that unique ability to, wow. to absorb it, process it, and then produce it, no matter what he's doing. I can't wait to get him some golf lessons. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. But if, 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 if you should have some advice to younger guys, what should that be if they wanted to be best in Speedway or whatever? Never give up. They're gonna crash. They're gonna try something. It's not gonna work. You just, you just gotta keep trucking. Just keep going hard. Keep twisting the throttle. Keep going for it. Basically, I mean that's what I did. Like I, I crashed in practice. I kept going. Uh, I've gotten hurt. I've tried to learn things that I couldn't do. And still, like there's so many different factors that play into riding a speedway bike that there's really not one certain way to ride it because everyone has a different riding style, obviously. But just be comfortable, like learn everything and just keep going. Sounds easy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, looks, it looks so easy, Speedway, when you're in the stands yeah. and watching these guys, it's like poetry in motion sometimes. And- uh, Just like golf. Yeah, <laughs> just like golf. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and then after the races, you go down and you say, boy, it looks real easy. You go down and look at the track. You look at the starting line and all you see are these deep grooves. And you say, how do they even ride on this? And then the track, you look at it, you look at that decomposed granite on there and it's so hard sometimes. I'm saying, I wouldn't even, I hardly walk on that stuff, let alone ride on it. I mean, these guys are nuts. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> but I'd love to have that feeling just once. Yeah. To go around the speedway track like Sebastian or Greg. We can make that happen. Mm -hmm. I think he just asked for that, didn't you? Did. <laughs> I guess I could try it. Yeah. <laughs> Jason could make a bike for me. That's right, yeah. Put, yeah. put training wheels on the back. <laughs> oh, he, the training wheels. he can come and do it when you do it, Stefan. Oh, yeah, we should do it together. Okay, Stefan. That's yeah, a deal. There you go. That's yeah. a deal. I'm 72. How old are you? <laughs> um, let's not talk about that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 14. Yeah, 14. I mean, I should say about stories of like how I look up to Sebastian. It's when me and dad went out practicing the other day, uh, I was having troubles by like, I, I couldn't ride the bike hard. I would just like enter it because Paris, we were out there and we were track so long. I can ride it like, oh, it's super easy, but it's, you got to hug the pole. If you, if you want to stay in front, you got to hug the pole on those little bikes. And dad said, just ride it hard. I was like, okay. I went up there and I kept doing the same thing. And I was like, ride it like Sebastian. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's something that I really want to do. Like ride like him. Cause it's unbelievable. His style, his mental, like, I don't, there's no words like. <laughs> that's cool, huh? Like he's a mentor at 14. <laughs> yeah, that's really By the cool. way, Wilbur's last race at Paris Speedways, he just blew away the competition. It was a big win. It was nice. Huge. It was really fun. Huge. Felt good, huh? Huge. 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 <laughs> and that, that was, a lot of that comes down to dad finally stepping up and when we come back to equipment, yeah. then we're like, like we're doing with these guys, you know, with the 250 trying to do what we can, but finally stepped it up and we got that a good motor from the PAX racing guys and uh, 
gave Wilbur something because it was it was even Lance King that said to me, he's like, dude, when are you gonna buy your kids some equipment? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, come on, it's pretty obvious. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but thanks to the Faulkner family and the yeah. Pax Racing, they, they said it, they set him up. <laughs> so he's in the game now. Oh, that's good. Dad had to step it up. Well, me and Sweden, we had half the year figuring out what we were going to do, like how to get speed. And we never did. Nah, really. So, <laughs> I, I got to give up on that thing that I think I know. Yeah. yeah. Switching, like switching ignitions. We try rev limiters, uh, carburetors. All that stuff. Yeah, right? all that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Have you dreamt of being a world champion? Yes, definitely. 250s and 500s. Um, obviously, that's like the like the biggest, or I don't know, like GPs are the highest level you can definitely get to. And then, obviously, winning the world championship is you're the best rider in the world for that one year. You're on it. You got good equipment. You got great mind and just experience. And yeah, I'm, that's what I'm dreaming of. Make it there. That's cool. That's really cool. Good to hear. So how 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 far away is it? Four five years? I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, I'm. What my plan is is like after I ride five hundreds, maybe a year or two in America. Hopefully, like I can go to like England or Sweden or maybe sign with a team over there or a league. After some riding over here, after some practicing, getting used to the five hundred, like Max Rummel and Gino Manzaris and all them. Mm -hmm. and, after that, just keep riding over there, do good in the leagues, and then hopefully work my way up to like elite league. And then after I, if I can make it all the way to there, then obviously try my hardest and ride in the GPs. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, he's got a plan. He's got a goal. And hopefully, the first world championships only a few months away. So right, we start we start in Gdansk on July seventh. On July second, the final is on July fourth in Torrent. So, Torrin is kind of a track I think then, would favor Sebastian. Wow. It's, it's, it's American. It's the American Independence Day. So, I mean, it's yeah. all America okay. there. Wow. The finals on the 4th of July. I mean, there's, the there's no bigger July. day of the year for Let's us. Let's go. Again, no pressure, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you won't do it. No, I know. I will be in I, Sweden. Uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be at the Grand Prix the same day in Sweden. So uh, that's all your Grand Prix right there, Fourth of July. No pressure. That's right. No, no pressure. pressure. <laughs> he put it right back on me. That was good. Oh, that was good. That was good. Even though it, it's, it's, it's a Grand Prix, in, it's a Grand Prix in Sweden. I really, I really want to try to be in Torin for the finals because even though I've been to so many Grand Prix and I really want to be in Torin, so. Hopefully, I can grab a flight or save my money and put it in my piggy bank and That's it. <laughs> get a flight over there. And Wilbur got nominated for, um, yeah. from the American team, from the American Federation, too, to do the – they're having the 125 Youth Championships in Europe, the FIM Championships in, in France this year. And Wilbur got the nomination to do that. So wow. now, we're, now we're, putting, uh, we're putting our efforts into a – 125 engine to get him up to speed with that. So I'm sure our friends at PAX are going to get another <laughs> phone call really soon <laughs> and uh, get him up there. So he's got a shot at chasing this. It won't be. A, it's not a world championship at that, at this level. Yes, trophy. It's just the how the, how the 250 was last year or two years ago. Yep. Oh, well, so we're pretty excited. We got. You can see it's Sebastian has kind of set the bar. 
So uh, Wilbur's, uh, he wants to go there and at least emulate what Sebastian's been doing. And now he gets to take it up to Europe, an international level too. It's, it's going to be pretty fun. Really cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny because when I was in Prague, I was like, I was, I was so ready to go race the 250s. I'm like, I really want to do it. And I was like, why can't they just make a 125? Please, just next year. I still, I still want to do it. And that, that phone call that you got or the email uh, when you, later when you told me that I'm nominated for it, I was like, no way. It's a dream come true now. It's <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's neat that the FIM has got this stepping stone touch to it now. Mm -hmm. So you've got the 125 class, the 250, and then you go to the Grand Prix. They're paying more attention to us younger riders. Yeah, they, they've seen, I mean, they, they have to. Mm -hmm. and they can see that this is a, a growing uh, segment in the, in the sport, which is great. And, uh, the only bummer is that the, the schedules aren't always working out perfect. <laughs> so it's this year we've got a, a big clash of schedules with Grand Prix the same weekend as the, the, uh, the 250. The, the 125 is a little bit different, but the 250, this is going to be tough for us to be uh, to be there ourselves. So we, we have to rearrange and have logistics set up with our mechanics and, mm -hmm. and transport stuff for these guys so they can be in Poland on the, uh, the, the days leading up to our Grand Prix in Sweden, which is on the, the, the Saturday, the day after your final. But, oh. <laughs> yeah, we got a little bit of work to do. But, yeah. Uh, it'll, ha it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. Oh, that's good. We're not, we're not afraid of a little work. <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> that's good. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, I, I uh, have you got any any more questions there from your side, Stefan? No, I don't think so. I I think that we are forty five seconds ready. Oh. I think so. Yeah. Have you you've listened to every single podcast, right? Not every single one. No. <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> right. Sure. Of course. Yeah. You have. Of course. I have. Yes. <laughs> So, are you familiar with our forty-five seconds? No. Okay. So we have we have a, a point in the, the podcast at the end where it's all about forty-five. Mm -hmm. us, of, right? course. of course, of course, the, the cool thing is that I was told by Steve Lucero many many years ago mm -hmm. that uh, to have a winning number, your numbers, no matter if you're one digit, two digits, three digits, it, it's all about the number nine. So if you if your digits add up to nine, mm -hmm. you're on a winner. So Mike Freya was always number nine. He won some championships. Steve Lucero was number 18. Nine, yeah. It was nine. A 45, it adds up to nine. Mm -hmm. And your number? 18. 18, that adds up to nine. Mm -hmm. Wilbur is number 117. Oh, that, uh, that's it. That adds up to nine. You never thought about that? So no. And Wilbur took number 117 out of the blue, you oh. know. It's all about the nine. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody has their their things, and and Steve Lucero still says it today. Oh, it's all about the nine. It's all about the nine. So I, got got no, I just had to throw that in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's your number, Stefan? I don't have a number. I think nine. Right? <laughs> not not like ten minus one or something. Yeah. Anyway, so we got off the subject, but I just wanted to throw mm -hmm. that in there. 45 seconds. In 45 seconds, you can either tell us something about Sebastian Palmisi that we don't already know or we learned in this podcast, mm -hmm. or we rapid fire as Question. many questions as we can to you 
in 45 seconds. And you have to just give an answer. What comes off the top of your head? What are they random questions or are they related to Speedway? Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm gonna go with rapid fire. Oh, I think so. Oh. Okay. You think you want that? No, I think you want to say something about yourself. <laughs> No, you think so? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we want to hear something that we haven't asked you that nobody knows about. Let's think here. You have anything? We can do the, the questions too. But yeah, we have we have questions ready for you. We just want to we, we give everybody. The I'm trying to think about at least like one thing. Cool. You can do both if you want, but we we kind of give everybody the option, and it's been pretty fun. What do people usually do? Like rapid fire, or or it's different us. Mm -hmm. Some yeah. people. And you know what? Sometimes you, depending on the, the podcast, you get, you'll find something about somebody and you're like, tell us, I mean, Joe Parsons, right? Yeah. Joe has done a lot <laughs> in his lifetime and there's still so much nobody knows about Joe, even us, of course, but he has something interesting that he can mm -hmm. throw out at you. Chris Holder was another one, you know, <laughs> it's like, you just don't know that's you got all these, everybody's got their, their thing, but <sighs> And if it doesn't come to mind, we'll go rapid fire. Yeah, I can't think of anything. We can we can do the questions. Dang, let's do it. All right, we'll do it. Yeah. Want me to want me to fire the questions? Yeah, I do that. Okay, so I'm ready with Stefan. Stefan is okay. Yeah, he's our timer guy. Gotta hold the. Yeah. Okay, you ready? Ready. Cool. Three, two, one, go. Donald Trump or Stephen Janelle? Stephen Janelle. Yeah. What childish thing do you still enjoy? Watching kids TV shows. What movie can you watch over and over and over and never get tired of? Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> what video game do you wish life was more like? GTA. No. What were you really into when you were younger, but now you think it's silly? Baseball. What's the most useless thing you know how to do? Juggle. <laughs> how many phones have you broken or lost? One. What are you tired of hearing about? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's a tough tough you gotta answer that. <laughs> you gotta answer it though. Um, what are you tired of hearing about? Something that comes up all the time on the news or something. I don't know. The gumball rally. <laughs> well, you can end that this weekend. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's the only thing I want to hear about. That's the only thing I want to hear about. Well, that was cool. That was really cool. He was pretty quick on the questions too. He was. That's what I wanted. Should say. I'm trying. I'm still trying to think of something that uh, that no one knows. <laughs> I don't know. You can save that for the. Maybe you were like an artist. And I'm a professional Fortnite gamer. Hey, there. Professional Fortnite gamer. Yeah, I I became professional yesterday. Did you? With my friend. On the console. On the console. Oh, you guys are I, so Yeah, we yeah. we played Fortnite <laughs> till nine o'clock last night, or probably ten o'clock last night. We were on it. Oh yeah, by the way, we suck at the game. We just have fun playing it because we're doing some tons of random dumb no, I'm stuff. I'm professional. Oh, you're professional. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, can you be a professional still stuck at the game? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. A professional sucker. Sucker. Well, uh, Tammy. Yes, sir. Thank you for 
taking time out of your day. We should probably throw this in there. Tiani has, he's, you know, to have your grandfather, to have your parents, to have your sponsors and all those kind of people around you, it's, you know, it's priceless. And this guy is, he's a pretty amazing individual and he's a great father and he's a great grandfather and, and just a great person overall. So we've become, uh, I want to say, pretty decent friends in a, in a short period that we've got to know each other. And it, it's very easy with these guys as you can hear just for this podcast, but he's a big supporter of this kid and, and what his kids do all around. And you'll start to see Tanny and you'll probably pay more attention to some of the things that he does. And uh, we should probably just have Tanny on the show one day and, and hear his story. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's long. <laughs> hey, we're all here. <laughs> we're all here. And Sebastian. Buddy, we wish you all the very, very best. Thank you very much. We're it's a pleasure. honor. Likewise, it's uh, it's an honor for us, and we're gonna we're gonna pump the heck out of you and tell people how great of a person you are. But I think they they already know that after this podcast, and it is to add to it. So uh, thanks again, buddy, for your time. You guys getting up early to come and join us, Stefan. Thanks for making it happen, being there, waiting for us. <laughs> and he's rocking the grin hat today mm-hmm. and the ascot sweatshirt. And the Ascot sweatshirt, he's on the other side. We can still see him online, which is the beauty of, of, of our technology. Uh, technology today. Thanks, Wilbur. <laughs> yeah. I think we should just throw another round of applause for Sebastian and Tanny. So, well, everybody, Stefan, it's... Yeah. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And be sure to tune in next week for another podcast and listen to the Real Fortifying podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Acast. Be sure to follow us, share us, and rate us, and add some comments there. It should really help us, I think. And also be sure to follow us, like us, and share us on Real Fortify podcast on iTunes and uh, Facebook, I think. So have an awesome day. And thank you, Green. Hey, thank you too, man. Have a great one. See ya, you guys. Green to win. Keep it sideways. Yay. Hey. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, SpashPalmisi1. And. Oh, yeah. And Wilhand117 on Instagram and all of that. It's all about the number nine. Be sure to follow them too. Bye. See ya. Bye. Welcome to Real 45 with Stefan and Greg Hancock. We vibe out and have real talk, so tune in and check this out. Yeah, today is a new day. Let's season now and get hype. We talking about our careers, our family, and just life. Yeah, share my story with you. Inspiration like every day. Real 45, we gon' keep it live. I keep episodes on replay. Hey, Real 45. Yeah, Real 45. Show them how we do it, man. Yeah.